around the world, engineers and architects, constructors and owner-operators are using Bentley software solutions to design, build and operate the infrastructure that sustains our economy and our environment, including integrated applications and services built on an open platform our solutions enable digital workflows across engineering disciplines and distributed project teams from the office to the field. And today, leverage digital twin technology to help solve the most complex of engineering challenges. Together, we are advancing infrastructure. Welcome to the latest episode of the Engineers Collective. I'm Claire Smith and I'm Editor of New Civil Engineer and I'm joined today by Head of Content and Engagement Rob Horgan and our reporter Catherine Kennedy for a new special on the collapse of the Champlain Tower South Residential Building in Surfside near Miami in Florida in June, which has sadly claimed the lives of up to 140 people. As well as looking what happened in Miami and analysing what experts suggested as the probable causes, we're going to be looking at what changes this tragedy could bring for the US construction sector. We're also going to be speaking to former NCE editor Ty Bird to draw parallels from the Ronan Point disaster in the UK in 1968, when a gas explosion caused a progressive collapse that shocked the country's engineers and led to widespread change in the industry. So back to Miami. It's now three weeks since the name Champlain Towers South became infamous in global news feeds. At about 1.25am local time, seemingly without warning, part of the 12-storey building, which was built in 1981, collapsed. News reports suggest that 35 people were rescued from the rubble. Some managed to escape from parts of the building that remained upright. And as we record this episode, 64 people have been confirmed dead, but another 76 are still missing. Catherine, you were following the story closely from start. What were the initial thoughts around the cause of the collapse? Yeah, so one of the first things I think that came out was that the building's 40-year review was due. So it was built in 1981 and it was due this standard 40-year review, which is what happens in the US. And according to officials, it was undergoing its recertification process and did need repairs. So some experts have kind of highlighted then that older buildings aren't built to the necessary standards of today. And they've also said that it would be useful to know what site investigations were undertaken prior to construction. But at the same time, site investigation practices have advanced as well since the building was constructed. So a lot of discussion around the review and and how it was built. In terms of explanations then work was being done on its roof but the mayor has said that that he doesn't see how that could have been the cause of the collapse other explanations then include structural issues issues with the ground floor pool deck area ground movement from nearby construction work and then salt impact on the building with it being in in this coastal area so as well as that reports of a a study which was done last year and it was from Florida International University. That has been highlighted as well. So that report said that it warned that the building was unstable and said it had been sinking at a rate of two millimetres per year in the 1990s. So a lot of discussion, a lot of different factors. You do sort of wonder if it's going to have been a combination of things. But John Pistorino, who is the structural engineer who evaluated the Florida International University Bridge collapse, he's been hired to investigate the cause and he's kind of 
reserved any judgment at this stage, but he said he was struck by the surveillance video that showed the collapse started in the centre of the building and then pulled down the entire north section. So he's been been looking at that, but the investigations are or will be ongoing. So it wasn't long after the collapse that news broke that there were, were major structure issues with the building that were noted three years before the collapse. Rob, you've been looking at that report. What were the problems and could they have contributed to the collapse? Yeah, that's right, Claire. So the engineering report dates back to 2018 and it was compiled by Morabito Consultants. And it, it details that the build or it concludes, sorry, that the building had major structural damage and needed to be extensively repaired. It doesn't say how quickly those repairs or doesn't advise how quickly those repairs should be carried out. But the firm has since confirmed that at the time of the collapse, roof repairs were underway. But concrete restoration work that was recommended in the report had not yet begun. So in terms of that concrete restoration uh, repair work, Morabito had recommended that repairs needed to be carried out to concrete columns, beams and walls in the parking garage, which was in the basement or on the bottom floor of the of the of the apartment block. The report added that waterproofing under the ground floor pool deck had also failed and had been improperly laid flat instead of sloped, which prevented water from draining off of it. And in a statement since the collapse, Morabito has confirmed that its report detailed significant cracks and breaks in the concrete, which required repairs to ensure the safety of the residents and the public. So, I mean, it's a pretty damning conclusion in that 2018 report. And I guess questions have to be raised about why those repairs hadn't begun, you know, three years on from that from that report. It does seem strange that people were still living in that building given that report as well, doesn't it? Yeah, especially the line where it says, you know, the safety of the residents and the public is at risk because of those structural faults. So geotechnical issues have also been suggested as a trigger for the collapse. Catherine, you've been speaking to a number of specialists about the likelihood of a sinkhole being the trigger for the collapse. What's the consensus on that? Yes, so again, a, a kind of mixed picture on, on how likely that, that is. So Bill Murphy, who is from the University of Leeds, he's an engineering geologist. Um, he has said that when he first saw the aerial images and the fact that the building did come down on one side, his first reaction was that it looked like a sinkhole. And those, it is known, you sinkholes, they occur in carbonate rocks like chalk and limestone, and they are known to be prevalent in Miami. So given that background, I think it was something that people initially did wonder about. Bill had said that the reports of a leaking swimming pool combined with the potential structural issues, it kind of, he said it wouldn't be a surprise then if there was a sinkhole given that background and he said the collapse of the overburden into a sinkhole could have been triggered by seepage or vibration but he's also said that it's it's kind of too early to know for sure another person who has said a similar um thing is Phil Wilson who's the the director of an engineering consultancy so he also said when he saw the first video he thought sinkholes was a possible explanation given the dramatic nature of the collapse as well and then he said the other thing that made him a bit suspicious of it, of the potential for it to be a sinkhole, was the problems that had been reported around the swimming pool. So he said, again, the combination of a source of water 
and a rock that's prone to solution collapse, you know, that could be the likely conclusion of that. But then we spoke as well to Clive Edmonds, who's a geotechnical specialist, and he said it is just difficult to be certain at this stage and it's a possible factor, but you really need more information about even what exactly the building was constructed on and what, you know, even the type, depth, diameter of the piles, that is unknown as well, he said. So again, it kind of comes back to what we had spoken about before about the site investigations and and needing that information and obviously if a sinkhole was present you wouldn't be able to see it from the surface so uh, it it does make knowing kind of what was there and what was done before the construction began quite important. Yeah it's quite interesting I've seen a few reports suggesting that the building was built on reclaimed land so Mm -hmm. it could have been over ground that was subsiding already and particularly if there was a swimming pool leak that could have really exacerbated it. So there there are lots of theories out there and I imagine it will be a combination of factors rather than one single cause. But the incident has led construction professionals to question what the risk is in their own countries and what practices need to change to ensure such a collapse doesn't happen again. The Engineers Collective is powered by Bentley Systems with industry-leading software solutions used by professionals in organisations of all sizes for the design, construction and operation of roads and bridges, rail and transit, water and wastewater, public works and utilities, buildings, campuses and industrial facilities, Bentley can help accelerate your digital transformation. To find out more, visit www.bentley.com forward slash The Engineers Collective. So... The progressive collapse of Champlain Tower South has led many people to draw parallels between this incident and the Ronan Points collapse in the UK in 1968, which led to wide-scale change in the UK construction industry. NCE was established four years after Ronan Point, but past NCE editor Ty Bird worked on construction news in the wake of the disaster, and the effects of the investigation shaped many of the stories he worked on during his career. I'm joined now by Ty to look back on just how Ronan Point disaster changed the UK construction industry. Hello Ty and welcome to the Engineers Collective. Hello Claire. So can you tell me what led to the collapse at Ronan Point? Um, how to put this? Um, a not particularly adequate design and totally inadequate construction um, practice. The building was shoddy uh, to say the least and uh, nobody can be proud of what happened at Ronan Point. So what did the investigation into the collapse reveal? Well it revealed it revealed a number of things that uh, a the building obviously was vulnerable to uh, to quite small explosions Um, it was also uh, vulnerable to wind Um, that wind loading hadn't been really taken into account it was vulnerable to fire, um, although it's interesting to know that um, following the, the failure and the investigation that occurred and the new practice that was developed, uh, towers like Grenfell didn't actually, you know, Grenfell didn't fail, even though it caught fire from top to bottom, uh, it, the structure didn't actually fail. And that's as a result of the work that was done after the collapse of Ronan Point. That's really interesting. But in the wake of the collapse, you visited other tower blocks in the same development, didn't you? Given what you saw there, were you surprised by the findings of the investigation? Not at all. Not at all. And this was after the, the buildings had been 
had been strengthened, um, I went to the 17th floor. A young couple were living there with their children. They should never have been in the 17th floor. Socially, not a very good thing to do anyway, to be up that high. Views were fantastic, but the building, the flat felt unsafe. And it wasn't just a psychological feeling of being unsafe. You looked around at the construction. The, the draft in there was the draft in the uh, in the flat was uh, incredible. It was wind coming through the gap between the window frame and the structure, uh, which had never been filled properly. Uh, the windows didn't fit properly. But even more worrying was, even in quite light winds, you could feel the building move. It's quite shocking, really, isn't it? Were the quality issues at Ronan Point an isolated incident, or was it? more of a widespread issue in the construction industry at that time um i'm not sure about that i i, I don't i don't think construction practice was particularly good then we've got a, an awful lot better uh, in the years since ronan point but ronan point itself and and the other blocks of course in on the freemason estate uh in newham uh, in canning town they were very very shoddily built and uh, as i've mentioned before the design wasn't particularly poor but um the, the structural elements that were supposed to hold the whole structure together uh, were greatly weakened by by purely malpractice on behalf of the contractor you've already mentioned the fact that the changes that came about after that incident benefited perhaps Grenfell maybe not significantly as it should have done what other changes happened in the sector in the five to ten years after Ronan point that you think that can actually be pointed back to that collapse much more concern about um wind loading for a start, people didn't realise that tower blocks actually are <laughs> kind of vulnerable to wind because they're quite high. That was, I think that was one of the principal points. The tying together of walls and floors uh, in precast structures and, and in, in situ structures, much more attention was paid to that following Ronan Point. Um, a uh, progressive collapse was something that uh, was designed and built out of tall buildings uh, from then on. So what advice would you give to the UK civil engineering industry to make sure that we never have another Ronan Point incident in this country? I hope we'll never have a Ronan Point type incident anyway. I don't think we should have because of the, the, the regulation changes and because of the changes to construction practice that followed Ronan Point. Uh, but you can never say never. We knew full well that gaps between facades and uh, and structures are not a good thing without fire stops in the event of a fire. And, of course, we've had Grenfell. Uh, so the lessons that were learned uh, actually didn't uh, get applied in terms of improved practice. So that may happen again. But I think that uh, it's it's largely a matter of common sense, you know, if something doesn't look right, and certainly Ronan Point didn't look right, and this is not just with the benefit of hindsight, then it probably isn't right. And you know, professionals should should uh, jolly well step in at either at the design stage, uh, when when clients are being talked to, uh, or subsequently, and certainly during the construction stage, should actually speak out if they don't think something looks something's going to be right. Some great advice there. Thank you for joining us, Ty. Uh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Ty. Some really interesting insight into the changes that a single collapse can bring for the whole industry. Nonetheless, it's 53 years since Ronan Point, and many have questioned whether the UK is again at risk of a similar incident. Catherine, you've been looking into that. What have you discovered? Yes, 
I spoke to Alistair Stone, who is the principal consultant for Cross, and he has actually said the risk of a similar incident happening in the UK is exceedingly small. So he referred back to Ronan Point as well and said that changes to the building regulations and design methods came about after that collapse. And I mean, he was keen to emphasise that there have been no examples of progressive collapse in buildings in the UK since Ronan Point. So he says the risks are extremely low and people have learnt lessons and buildings have become more robust. Another thing is that after Ronan Point, all buildings of that type were inspected and strengthened if necessary, he said, and some have since been demolished. So he feels it's unlikely. A Construction Leadership Council spokesman also said that the UK building regulations seek to ensure that all structures are fit for purpose, including structural integrity. So it seems unlikely for the UK, but um, kind of back to Miami, similar regulations to those UK changes were introduced in the US in 2002, which is obviously a good thing. But then you come back to the problem where the Miami building was constructed before those changes. So again, we're back to the review and back to needing more more information. So I suppose that really emphasises why the 40-year review is so important in the US and maybe perhaps some of those need to be brought forward. Yeah. But it is really good to understand the risk is small in the UK. But I still believe there's important lessons to be learned from the investigation into the Champagne Towers collapse. The structure was demolished last week as there was a risk of hurricane making landfall in Florida, which raised concerns about the potential for the rest of the structure to collapse. With that stage now completed, work has restarted on the recovery operations to find the bodies of those who are still missing while the investigation into the collapse continues. While we wait for news from the investigators in the US, Cross in the UK has already confirmed that it's going to be issuing information on the collapse soon and is calling on engineers in the UK to submit reports on buildings of a similar nature that they are concerned about. The images we first saw coming out of Surfside three weeks ago were shocking. And I think it just underlines how critical the role of engineers is in keeping people safe and how we must never become blasé about our work. So thanks for joining us for today for this episode. We'll be back with you soon for another one. The Engineers Collective is powered by Bentley Systems with industry-leading software solutions used by professionals in organisations of all sizes for the design construction and operation of roads and bridges, rail and transit, water and wastewater, public works and utilities, buildings, campuses and industrial facilities. Bentley can help accelerate your digital transformation. To find out more, visit www.bentley.com forward slash The Engineers Collective.